it to the mic today. Dino, TJ, Chris Miles here with you. Uh, we are missing two members of our team. They're Christmas shopping, I guess. Dre and Monica, we were all planning to get together, but you know how it is in this COVID season. It's like anything else for the holidays. You're missing some family members, but we still got you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's make it happen, Chris. Here we go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the biggest thing in D.C., the John Wall trade, for Russell Westbrook just feels for me coming to the district was right when John was taken off. He had made an all-star team. He was this electric number one overall pick that had made plays, but hadn't been in the playoffs. So as I got here and then went to NBA TV, it was during the ascendance of John Wall. So to see it come to a point where he had he he's missed two full years. The last time we saw him at the peak of his powers was 2017 in the playoffs. It's sad. It, it's sad. And it was the same week that we watched RG3 essentially against the Steelers look like it's done for him too. So when I when I see these two things in the same night, it just felt uh it felt sad to me because I I always wanted RG3 to be an incredible football player for years to come. And I wanted to see John Wall reach at least like an NBA finals with the Washington Wizards. I mean, how do you guys feel about the culmination of those two things happening on uh, Wednesday night after Thanksgiving? You know, I, I, you know, that's a great point that you make, Chris. Um, I had not given that thought to it. You know, the culmination of these two things happening. I'll just speak to the, the John Wall situation. You know, it, it is sad to see a guy who is so beloved here in the D.C. community. The DMV loves John Wall, what he's done in the community. You know, he has grown as a player um, and what his athleticism uh, has brought to this team, uh, being, a, I believe he's a five-time All-Star. You know, but it never came to fruition to see his total greatness, and that's a shame. Injury, the injury bug, some of it uh, of his own doing, you know, you know, the the mysteriousness behind, you know, this thing happening at his house where he, you know, fell down the stairs or up the stairs, whatever the case may be. In the shower is what they said. Okay. You know, that these things, I mean, don't get me wrong. Freak accidents do happen. Um, and it could just be a stroke of bad luck. Um, you know, and, and it's going to be tough to see a guy who's so loved to, to leave the area. Um, and then when you look at the team and how they're structured, Bradley Beal um, being – the guy that he's grown into be. Um, and then they signed Bertans to this, you know, mega deal. You've got two distant shooters that you're looking at a guy who can penetrate, drive, draw, and kick, but also knock down outside jumpers. I really look at this trade as like, you know, and, and Skip Bayless said this on his show, they're just two teams that are trading their own problems. You know, for a long time, you're looking at, you know, these two heavy contracts and how do you move a guy who hasn't been productive, who hasn't played, but you, you know, again, on the other side is the, the heartwarming side. You, you hate to see a guy who's so loved in the community go do Bradley Beal and Bretons now feel great about you get a dog in, you know, Russell Westbrook coming in here, but is he going to be the Westbrook of old or is he going to be, the Westbrook that the, the Wizards need him to be, Scotty Brooks needs him to be, that's going to be able to score and then distribute the ball to outside shooters. That's my thoughts. 
Well, I, I, I'll follow up with that last point you made, the, the Westbrook that, that D.C. needs him to be. There's no way that's going to happen. I mean, he, he's, he's Batman. He's never going to be a Robin. I, I just can't see that happening. I think he's going to be what, who he is, and he's always been the same guy, in, in my opinion. I, I kind of like the trade only because there's no doubt that, obviously, John Wall's coming off of two years out of the league. We we see the explosiveness that that Westbrook has. We don't know if John Wall still has that that explosiveness, which is what has carried him through the decade that he's played in the NBA. Uh, you know, the, obviously the 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 folks here have a great affinity for John, and I can understand that. But the the nature of the business is sounds like to me. I don't know. I wasn't in the locker room, and I wasn't out on the court when these guys are practicing. Sounds like there's some some issues behind the curtain. And if that's the case, I mean, we've got to, especially with Scott Brooks, knowing Westbrook from in the past, I think you got to make that move. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Going back to RG3, the whole RG3 thing, it was spectacular his, his first year here with the Washington Redskins and the hype and the, the, the just watching him streak down the sidelines. I guess that was against the Ravens or what, the 49ers. I can't remember exactly which, which team he was playing against. But you, you could kind of see things chipping away at it. I don't think there was ever really a true love garnered here in the, in the DMV for the, the whole of RG3. The glitter and the glitz, yes, but the whole of RG3, I don't think there was really any love loss when things went awry for him. So um, at the end of the day, uh, RG3, I just never saw that coming to to materializing here a little bit different obviously with John Wall you know thoroughly beloved throughout the throughout the the DMV but I just think it's time for a change for both him and Westbrook yeah to, to see the way that and this is me just projecting watching RG3 it just when Trace McSorley came in and in one drive had more yards yeah. <laughs> and put up the same amount of points as RG3 had in three quarters and to see him still look like a running back as opposed to a quarterback where his biggest play was a 39-yard run. Then he had the hamstring uh, happen, and he had the pick six and a fumble. He had the same amount of turnovers as he had completions in the first quarter. There were so many things that pointed to this is over. Like, this is what the end looks like for him when the third-string guy comes in and looks better. You know, you can say, oh, I didn't have practice, this, that, and the third. But again, when the third string, the backup to the backup comes in and he outshines you immediately and the difference in a game you lost by five was a pick six in a divisional game against your rival and you need to you need to win to make the playoffs. I felt like that was the end, the final chapter in his football book and I wish him the best, but that's what I thought I saw. Now with John Wall, you know, I've been thinking about this for two days because it is an emotional moment for me because I love the game of basketball. And I spoke to John this summer. And in speaking to him, I felt his pain. You know, he felt like a different guy. And I don't want to compare him to um, Michael Vick, but I, I talked to Michael Vick before he went to prison and after he went to prison. And I felt like the pain of that changed him. So for John, he lost his mother. Um, he had his first kid, and he's been away from the game of basketball for two years. 
all of that is weighing on his shoulders. And I think all of that intensity is going to be brought back onto the basketball court. And it's something where for me as a fan of his, I think he's going to have a spectacular return. If not win NBA comeback player of the year. Can, can he be healthy though, Chris? I I mean, that's the real question. When you talk about an Achilles injury and that you're never the same, the same, uh, you know, consideration is going for Kevin Durant with his Achilles injury. Uh, well, you know, well, KD's going. KD going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. KD doesn't have to handle the ball as much, but you know they say once you pop one of those Achilles, the likelihood is very high that the other one happens too. You follow what I'm saying? I'm not wishing that on either one of these guys. I want to see healthy return to basketball, return to prominence in the league. But they have uh, both of these guards have been prone to injury, right? And, and we're hopeful that they, that they stay healthy. But are, are they guards that can be counted on for what's going to be 72 games at this stage in their career? I, I think that's the you, – you're right. That's the biggest concern with John coming back. But as far as how he looks right now, he looks incredible. So if we're worried about him not being – maybe he's a step slower, but he's still fast enough. Um, is he still going to be able to get by people and distribute and score? I think a hundred percent. So, but is he as fast as John Morant and De'Aaron Fox now? No, No. I think, I think, I think now he's, he was always one of the fastest players in the league. I think he's going to be on the back end of that fastest players in the league. And I think that's good too. So as a secondary point, who, in your opinion, guys, who won this trade? You know, so when you look at the Wizards giving up John Wall and a first round pick, but then in return, the Wizards get who's arguably probably a better player, more so because of the three years that he has as a triple double. And he's this dog that, you know, you rarely see in a in a in a player in this, in this caliber right now in this league. But he's also comes with. The, the dog category for him is the is the is the blessing and the curse, right? It is what makes him great, and it's also yeah. what makes him not such a great teammate. Exactly. So, in your opinion, I'd like to know what your guys' thoughts are on who wins this trade. God, I think you got to give it a year. I mean, I, I'm not trying to bail on the question, but I think it's going to come down to who that first that first round draft pick is going to be. Um, at the end of the day, um, I think they're. It's, it's pretty simple to figure out that, I mean, Westbrook is, is a triple-double waiting to happen. So initially, I got to say that the Bullets, or, or excuse me, the Wizards won the trade. <laughs> you're, telling, but, you're showing your age there, big fella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that scale can be tipped pretty quickly with with whatever that first round, you know, potentially first round draft pick is going to be. So I think you got to wait a year. That's just my opinion. Um. I think the adult establishments in Houston, you got DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, and James Harden all playing in Houston. That's who won uh, this trade there, TJ. <laughs> and you get a first round pick on top of that. I, I would, I would agree. Well, um, in our most recent podcast, we also had head coach of the Howard Bison, Kenny Blakeney on the show. And when we talked to him, uh, the season was just starting, and since then, his star recruit, well, let's say exactly how much of a star recruit, the first four-star recruit in um, 
you know, modern history to go to an HBCU, McCore Maker uh, actually has a groin injury and, and is out indefinitely. So what do you think? And it's interesting because one of the things we talked to him about was trying to have the facilities so that players can trust the HBCUs when it comes to injuries and taking care of them and, and that sort of thing. How important do you think it is for him to build that reputation, even if uh, McCore doesn't, doesn't play? Uh, doesn't shine there, but is taken care of in that way and trying to get the next big time recruit. Dino, I think this is a, this is your space. I, I really do think this is a, a big, forget the production on the court, just how he handles the next couple of months is huge for that program. There's absolutely no doubt. I mean, you can walk into some of these larger programs and see what they have. I mean, I remember the first time, and I, I, this is, is a different sport, but we're talking about training. The first time I walked into Alabama's facility, uh, down in, in Tuscaloosa, I was literally blown away by the, the treatment, the facilities, the, 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 H, the water treatment tanks, the, the amount of, of time and effort put into tracking these kids from the moment they were injured through their entire process during, through rehab. Um, and Kenny knows this, and I can use the math as an example. He knows this because the training uh, at the math high school is phenomenal for a high school. So the, the, as long as he can get the people in the administration to understand how important it is, I think he can walk them down that path um, because athletes don't want to spend time on the sideline. They want to spend their time either on the court or on the field or on the track. And if, the, and if that information or not only information but the but the, the health care situation isn't up to par those kids are going to spend more time off the court or, or than on the court I mean so there's absolutely no doubt he's got to he's got to see this through the end and get the financing he needs to, to make this happen for him for the program I, I think you, you know you you always have to have all the right facilities unfortunately they don't have the Mm -hmm. uh, the dollars to go along with that. I, I think you have to try to be as proactive as possible um, and be on the front side of, of having great strength and conditioning um, coaches out there to make sure that these guys are uh, good and stretched. Uh, they are the, the right type of uh, strength and conditioning training um, that's building them up to avoid these type of injuries. We've seen a evolution in strength and conditioning training. Dino, when we go back to the you know, our days of playing ball, it was a lot of heavy weightlifting, yeah. uh, you know, getting muscular and, and they were stretching and things like that. Now it's more about muscle elasticity and building, you know, the body in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. Not so much of the heavy weights, which puts a lot of stress on the body. Um, it's unfortunate this young man is in that situation where he doesn't have all the bells and whistles like in Alabama or some of the, uh, you know, major universities, but hopefully he's getting great care and hopefully this is a signal to their ad who has been slightly forward thinking for an hbcu um and and trying to pour money into the program pour money into the coaches um but you know i think they're all hbcus are hard pressed to try to find the financial wherewithal to, to be able to build the best and brightest uh facilities to to take care of them and dino that that brings me to something you said that when I, covering college basketball and football for over a decade, 
it, it, it changed my mindset of how I view the sport as opposed to, you know, when you're in high school or college or even just, yeah. you know, living your life and you see it, you just appreciate it. But for me, I was uh, a bit jaded by it um, because whether it's Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, I mean, all these major programs, I see how much money is put into the facilities. I see how much is is given, even the media members. I mean, when you go cover a bowl game, most bowl games have um, open bars for media members. And you get a gift bag with, you know, swag in it. Um, and they have casino nights for adults. And I, I was sitting there thinking, like, is this okay? Because I feel like I'm being – this is hush money, <laughs> right? <laughs> that why is this not going to – uh, a fun for these guys when they're done playing. Why are they not getting this money? Why is this getting funneled to adults? And I think the business of it made me kind of look at it like this is not cool. This should this should be taking care of these players even more, not just in the facilities, but in some sort of financial package. We talked to Jay Billis about this as well, and he was uh, on point with us. So. Do you think that this is something that people just don't talk about enough? Not necessarily like, oh, pay the players, but how much money is being funneled into places that certainly feel like a misappropriation of funds? There's no doubt. Let's let's not get this twisted. I mean, this is big business. And I'm going to use a harsh term, but, but these players are cattle. I mean, let's call it what it is. At the end of the day, as long as, as – let's just talk about the Big Ten. All right, so the Big Ten – they come out with uh, they're not going to play football this year because of obviously because of COVID. They get immense pressure and it all comes down to the almighty dollar. That immense pressure was, was, was put upon them because these schools need this money. And they, at the end of the day, I'm not going to say don't care about the players, but they certainly don't put the players first. What they put first is the bottom line and the dollar bill. And that goes back to what you're talking about in reference to open bars and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, it's all about the almighty dollar. And, and it's window dressing. These kids are forced back on a football field, a baseball field, a basketball court, some, many, ahead of when they're actually able to actually perform. But, I mean, let's go back. I mean, Tua, listen, Tua hurt his ankle two years ago or a year ago, however long it was. And they literally came up with a brand new surgery to fix a high ankle sprain so that Tua could play in two weeks. I mean, we're, 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 we're skirting science to make this stuff happen. So at the end of the day, uh, no, I, we don't talk about it enough. Is there enough money set aside for those kids? No. And that's kind of where we are. And it's been that way for way, way, way too long. And we've dug ourselves into a trench that I don't know how we're going to get out of. So TJ, when you hear that, and I look at, what's happening with college football and COVID. It just feels like they're trying in college basketball too, right now. It's like they lost March madness last year and, uh, or the start of this year. And now you get to a situation where, okay, the revenue has to be generated. Like uh, Dino was saying you thought the big 10 wouldn't play this year. And then they did. And now Ohio state might not get enough games in to qualify for the playoff. Think about how crazy that will sound and look as far as the reputation of this season. I mean, I think, you know, people were saying in the NBA bubble, it should have an asterisk next to it, the championship. I was like, no, this was a championship. I think the college football championship 
should absolutely have an asterisk next to it because these programs with the tremendous amount of resources are really the only ones that are able to compete at all. Whereas yeah. these other programs, they're just barely trying to keep afloat right now. And it, it really hurt in trying to compete, TJ. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, um, it, it the last vestiges of being able to capitalize on huge money, this was the impetus of the realignment of all the power five conferences and trying to build the uh, the best conferences out there and get all the teams in so everybody could get a, a share of the piece of the pie. You know, every conference has done this realignment and all the smaller schools tried to get on board so they can get some of the revenue sharing. Uh, you know, when it comes down to stoppage of play, that means that that is a, that is a death sentence for some of the smaller schools. If they don't get a chance to play the revenue games where they fund their athletic departments, if Ohio State is playing, you know, uh, Akron, that's $70,000, $80,000 coming to that program to play that game. And Akron needs that money. Uh, so with the absence of, absence of not playing these games, not playing the non-conference schedule, uh, and then on top of that, not having enough games for Ohio State to qualify for the, you know, the, the championship uh, final four, you know, it, they will find a way. You know, they just talked about Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin talking about the rep reputation of the Big Ten. They have to try to find a way to get, you know, Ohio State to play that game or those certain qualifying games to be able to keep the reputation, not, not only Ohio State up, but big the, of the Big Ten. And I think they'll do that. But yeah, with that being said, I agree, Chris, an asterisk has to be placed there to say this is, you know, this was an anomaly in this year. Is it me or people not angry enough of what's happening with the NFL and COVID? Because I don't feel like there is an uproar about it. And when I look at the fact that four teams have had outbreaks, that's going to happen. You know, if you're not going to be in a bubble or quarantine or whatever you want to call it, it's going to happen in the NBA. You're going to have outbreaks. But I think it's crazy that they're just like, oh, Denver, you don't have a quarterback? Get out there and play football. Baltimore, oh, you're, you're starting quarterback. You're starting running back. It's, this is just like an injury report. Get out there and play football. San Francisco, do you guys remember that? It was like, hey, you don't have your, your top two quarterbacks. You don't have your top three running backs. You don't have three or your four top receivers. You don't have five of your top six defensive backs. Who cares? Get out there and play football. I mean, I, I just think that that's insane. I think especially a sport that's so physical that that is beyond insane and borderline criminal because you can get people severely hurt and injured. Dino? I, I got to hear what you have to say because no one is talking about this. All right, so so let's round the numbers off. There were 2,800 American citizens who died yesterday from from this disease, right? We're, we're moving towards 3,000 deaths per day with this. So there are going to be more folks dying per day than what happened in on 9-11. So my question, I'm not, I don't need to, to get an answer from anybody, but my question is, is the whole country taking this serious enough? I mean, are, are we, are we real? Are we really looking at this the way it needs to be looked at? And so of course the NFL is not taking it serious enough. 
Because again, let's go back to what this is all about. It's about the almighty dollar. They will move the Ravens game four or five times so that they can make sure that they can get that at four o'clock on a Thursday, whatever time it was, to, to play against three forty on a Wednesday. Three forty <laughs> on a Wednesday. Let's make this happen. So no, they can kind of hit, you know, look, we've been blessed up to this point not to have a tragedy and someone die in the NFL, whether it be a coach, whether it be a player, whether it be a trainer or whether it be a referee or whatever it may be, we've been bust up to that point. And even if, here's the crazy thing, if someone were to contract this disease, let's say, let's just throw a name out there. Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of someone, a high profile, big, big Ben. Big Ben comes down. I mean, with, is Lamar Jackson not big enough of a name yeah, of a guy? No, to be on a got, list, that, but 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 he's going to make it to the other side. We've got to have somebody on a ventilator, and that's how crazy this is. There's got to be a ventilator. It's got to be near death. Somebody's got to die before somebody their ears will perk up, and that will last for three days, and then it goes back to well, we still need to make the money. So that's kind of where we are. I mean, the whole country. Think about that. Twenty eight hundred Americans died yesterday. And we just slough it off like nothing happened. 2,800. So, no, I, I don't think anything's going to change in the NFL. And, and I think it's all about the money. And I think that's the fact of life, unfortunately. TJ, um, this is something we were talking about before the pod. And I want to make sure we, we address this because my biggest issue with the NFL, again, like we were just saying, is not the fact that it's happened it's how they're handling it like they're still playing every single game whereas um i had the honor to, to talk to adam silver commissioner of the nba and not to compare the two leagues but just the approaches to COVID 19 forget the sports in themselves but you know they had the bubble that was successful i think it was like they played 178 games without a single positive COVID test. There's all these numbers, two, two and a half months, no positive tests. It was ridiculous. Uh, people came back from the bubble. It was like safest place in, in America right now, right? That's, that's what they were saying. But moving forward, they're not going to play in a bubble. So I asked him specifically, what precautions are you taking after your success in the bubble to ensure that you have the same success? And his response was, the NBA is not expecting that same success, but they they're releasing the schedule in two parts, right? Early December and then again in February. And while they say it's a 72 game schedule, if they have an outbreak, they have all of the leeway to cut that down, to create a new bubble, to have the playoffs in a bubble, to maybe have a tournament at the end of the season to see who makes the playoffs. Do you see what I mean? There is a plan. Yeah. For if there is like there are three contingency plans for if there's an outbreak and there's less people traveling and they also have changed the way that they have their schedule in general. For instance, you know, if you're playing, let's say uh, you're going to go play if you're Detroit, and you're going to play the Wizards. Well, instead of like going to play the Wizards in Washington, then flying to Miami, that's how the NBA works. No, you go play the Wizards. You stay there for three days. Right. You right. play one game. Then you play that second game against them. Then instead of like, you know, flying to L.A., you go to Charlotte. 
You see, like they're trying to keep things regional and you play those games and then they're hoping for a vaccine before making the East Coast, West Coast thing a a big part of the schedule. Why did the NFL just do something like, oh, you know what? Instead of AFC West versus NFC East, AFC East versus NFC East. Why not just do that for this season? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the the thoughts behind it, you think about how much money the NBA poured into creating the bubble. I think it was estimated at 180 million that the NBA poured into, you know, having the games down in in Disney, um, keeping this tight bubble, making sure that people are not in there. You know, they had the the bubble police. That's where Lemon Pepper Lou uh, got himself in trouble because he slid out, you know, and, and they had people that were telling on him. You know, there was accountability down there. The NFL it took it took a different approach. And uh, you know, the the problem with the NBA and what's gonna happen here, it is virtually impossible for a team of fifteen to seventeen players. If there's an outbreak where two or three of your starters get it, this is not football. Football has, you know, fifty-three, sixty, you know, sixty guys. You have your your practice squad team. You know, that virtually knocks that team out for 10, well, they're saying now 10 to 14 days. And it might be less than that, depending on symptoms and things of that nature, <clears throat> according to the CDC. You know, an outbreak in the NBA is going to be catastrophic. I find it nearly impossible without a bubble for this season to come off with any type of success. And yes, they have plan B, C, and probably D in place, uh, Chris, to, you know, to, um, salvage any type of season if they can get on the other side of, uh, you know, 20, 2020, get into 2021 and see if they can either get a vaccine or get guys healthy or create another bubble. Uh, the almighty dollar is going to drive it. Uh, TV money is going to drive it. And these guys want to play. Let's not, let's, they're not absence of any responsibility because they don't want to lose those game checks. The big guys who just signed for, you know, 85 million for two years, five years, 190 million, they're less affected. But those guys who are 12, 13, 14th man on the team that are making, you know, league minimum or or, or the uh the the veteran minimum, they kind of need that money. They need they they can't afford to lose those game checks because people are counting on them. Yeah, and, and that's a great point that you make. It's still <sighs> I, I forgot there was a, a former NFL player breaking that down and how, you know, is it worth going out there and risk getting sick? And would you do it for the amount of money that they make? And he's like, yeah, I would. And to feed my family and that, and that sort of thing. But from a league perspective, it still feels like the NFL is a bit flagrant and not taking a global pandemic that has hit this country hard you know here's a question for both of you guys because we had uh coach bryant stith on on the show and and he talked about how it affected him directly we've had uh several people talk about how it's a coaches talk about how it's affected their team and 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 how they they handle uh this this season that we're currently in now and the question that people started asking me a few months ago oh do you know anyone that was directly affected by it well i'm from new york so absolutely. I mean, that's the first place people forget how many New Yorkers died off the bat when they had the trailers outside of hospitals yep. as mm-hmm. temporary morgues. OK, right. it's like the rest of the country didn't care about that. And I'm like, this is insane. So 
yes, immediately I had people who I know were affected by it. Um, but at this point, I feel as if every other day, whether it's my wife talking to her family in Ohio or me talking to you guys or someone else, everyone I know now is, oh, my cousin got it. My aunt had it. My uncle had it where that was not the case before. Is that happening in your universe as well? Because that's what it feels like for me. I've had, I've known 15 people now who've had this disease to include, I can't, players, coaches, total of 15, uh, coaches, family, and six have died. So my, my ratio is not very good. Um, I just recently found out that a fraternity brother of mine um, who, matter of fact, the last time I saw him was at the CAA tournament over at, uh, what's, the, what's the, the arena over by St. Elizabeth's called where the, the Mystics play? I yeah, saw. I don't. Okay. So yeah. bottom line is I, I walked in, he had got some tickets for me because he was kind of transitioning into an alumni liaison for William and Mary football. He got tickets for me. I saw him on Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it was. Um, he was diagnosed with leukemia. He went in to have his first leukemia treatment and died that day. And come to find out it was COVID that took him. Um, obviously, he had a pre-existing addition. So, and then we had a Dematha classmate who passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago, 1981 uh, classmate. So yeah, directly and indirectly, this has been affecting me as early as last March. So no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I've, I've experienced a very similar, not to that degree. Um, and I'm you know, very sorry for all that we've lost, uh, but uh, UVA alumni, uh, I've lost three of those uh, due to COVID. Um, uh, the COVID virus. And then I've had two former uh, basketball alumni or two current basketball alumni. We talk about Brian Stith and then Harold Dean uh, also had it. Um, and thank God both of those guys have come through. Um, here's the thing. There's so many more that may have gotten it or may have it that are not talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, the numbers that the CDC is reporting out are only to the degree that those folks that are either getting tested that know that's what's going on or even talking about it. So our, our, I think our numbers are skewed um, and there's probably so much more. And then against the advice in the, uh, of all the medical professionals, so many more people traveled this year for Thanksgiving than anticipated despite everything that they're hearing about it. They put, they threw caution to the wind, are putting their families in jeopardy and now you, we're facing a huge uptick, um, probably greater than anticipated uh, or on par with what uh, was anticipated. And it's, and it's disheartening to know that um, people are being reckless. And, and here's the thing, let me not, I don't wanna say that as a blanket policy because there are also a good number of folks who are being diligent and for whatever reason, let their guard down in a, in a, to a safe degree, relatively safe degree, um, and still came down with the virus. Masking up, trying to stay six feet, you know, uh, distance uh, from people, washing their hands, and yet and still came up with this virus because they been, may have went and had a beer with a, with a friend, you know, and still came down with the virus. It, it's, it's so unpredictable, we don't know enough, and we have to do everything we can to keep ourselves, our family and friends safe.
Yeah. And what's crazy about that is like you said, TJ, it's the, the stories that you hear of people who contract it. It makes me want to say on our podcast, Hey, everybody be safe and be diligent in your diligent in your safety. For instance, um, I had a friend yesterday basically say that their uh, their mom contracted it and that their mom is like the crazy person that walks around with the shield mask, that has gloves on, that only goes to the grocery store. And the only thing that uh, their mom did to slip up was that, you know, their father, who they're d- divorced with, is just out being reckless, going to bars, hanging out, and he came over. And it's 100% that that's how she contracted it. So even the people that you're dealing with, you have to think about that for a second. Like, okay, what are they doing? Right. And even though I care about this person, are they putting me in jeopardy by their actions? Yeah. I think you got to ask the question, Chris, how tight is, uh, even though we, we know a certain group of friend, you know, our friend groups, right. But you got to ask yourself and they need to be honest, how tight is your bubble? Like really how tight is your bubble? Because if you have people that are that are not necessarily being reckless, let's face it, you could go to the grocery store, uh, you know, in preparation for not even trying to do a big Thanksgiving meal. But if you're within six feet, you have your mask on, you know, or you, or people are touching food or, and they're touching groceries, picking up boxes. It could be anything that that gets you, you know, get you, uh, you know, get you to, to contract the virus. So tighten up your bubbles wear your mask wash your wash your hands stay at home yeah and if, you, if you're out and about please make it home safe and, and be diligent and vigilant in, in how you're taking care of yourself i think on that note it's been a great pod catching up with you two guys uh chris miles man dino and tj anything you want to say to the people before we leave happy holidays out there folks and like tj said and, and chris mimicked as well man stay safe out there wash your hands wear your mask stay at home as much as you can and again happy holidays to everyone absolutely i just you know just want to share for all of those who uh may be suffering in silence you know we just uh we had a lot to be thankful for uh during the holidays but some people out there may not have been feeling that same way they might have lost somebody close to them you know these holidays can be tough you know, we're thinking about you here on this podcast. We're praying for you. Um, but do your part now. Uh, keep their memory alive, uh, you know, and, and do the best you can to find joy. There's a lot to be thankful for when you put things in perspective. Enjoy your holidays. God bless you.